Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. This is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and I'm joined today by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group, and you're listening to the Officer Roll Call, Roll Call Podcast. How's it going, Frank? It is going well, Paul. How are you this morning? Hey, pretty good. Um, so... This is the Halloween episode of Officer Roll Call. Uh, we're, we're just going to touch on a couple things that we featured in the October issue of Officer Magazine uh, that have to do all basically about um, supernatural role in uh, police stations uh, and basically what you have to face on duty and how that can deal with some fear. So Frank wrote uh, this great article and uh, titled uh, Tactics for Fear. And if you can talk about it a little about it, Frank, um, about all the things that go into, um, I, I guess, combating fear on duty. So, yeah, when, when you think about it, um, anything we fear is usually a, a perceived risk or, or an unknown that therefore we have to treat like it's a perceived risk. Uh, if, you, if you go into a dark room and you can't see anything, you have no idea what's in the room from it being haunted and, and having spirits walking around to the bad guy in the corner waiting to shoot you. Um, you know, so we, we tend to fear the unknown and there are tactics that we use to offset the unknown or minimize the risk that we perceive from that unknown. Uh, and that's, you know, everything from proper use of a, of a, a flashlight to um, taking, you know, moving in such a way that we don't expose ourselves to a risk if we can stay behind cover or stay concealed, or we have, uh, you know, strength in numbers. There's a number of tactics that we can use, and a lot of it has to do with how we minimize our risk from injury or threat should that occur in the line of duty. Yeah, and it, you've really touched a lot on the mental side and also, you know, staying physically fit and just ready while on duty, as well as, um, you know, using some of those, access those accessories, the gear, like, uh, like flashlights. So if, first, if you can talk a little bit about um, the, the need to stay fit and like, like you said at the end of this article, uh, to not fall asleep on duty. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. You know, when I was a military policeman, I hate to say this, we had a sergeant and we'd worked midnight shift and uh, we always knew where we could find him sleeping in his cruiser about 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. And that's just unsafe. Um, but you, you, every, every police officer uh, goes out wearing a uniform, whether it's a, their suit, they're an investigator, whatever it is, we run the risk of uh, bodily attack. I mean, ambushes are up in the, across the country today, unfortunately, and uh, people resist arrest willingly and aggressively. So, you know, you really have to be keeping your first weapon, uh, and I'm not going to argue whether your first weapon's your mind or your first weapon's your body, talking about your holistic self as your first weapon, you got to keep it fit. Uh, and that, that does require mental discipline. It does require stress management. It does require exercise. It does require reasonably good nutrition. Uh, it does require moderation in, in uh, alcohol intake, certainly avoiding any kind of drug use at all, or even uh, the abuse of over-the-counter medications uh, can become harmful. Um, so we, we have to pay attention to ourselves first and take care of ourselves first. And, and then we practice the manipulation and mastery of all those tools we talked about before. 
then can you talk about the the need to be aware of your surroundings and also more importantly your location and that your backup knows your location um that you know a lot of times you can be familiar with an area and know where those problem places are those problem houses but sometimes you might not be as familiar with an area but you still need to be aware of you know where you're at you know, it's funny as I go back to thinking about my police academy days and we were practicing uh, stop and approach and traffic stops and, and response to calls. And we were at a, a huge, uh, we used a, a parking lot in a sanitation facility because the parking lot was like 10 acres, but we were surrounded by woods and there was a lake and, and we, one, one cadet, one recruit was sent on a call and uh, found himself facing more than one opponent and he was calling for backup. And of course, we had radios going and people, you know, the pretend dispatcher, the dispatcher that was there for us uh, for the training. And she says, well, I need your location so I can send backup. And he says, well, there's a lake and there's trees. And unfortunately, if you panic, that is exactly the yeah. kind of response people can give on the street. You do need to be aware of your location. You do need to be able to communicate that the dispatcher is absolutely your lifeline because if she doesn't, he or she doesn't know where you are. They cannot send assistance to your location. Now, some places are resolving the issue with GPS locators for vehicles, uh, sometimes for radios, sometimes for officers. Uh, I hate to think about lowjacking a police officer, but I guess you could do it. Um, you're not always with your cruiser. You might be a half mile, a mile away, depending on what's happened. And if you can't communicate your location, they can't send you backup. So you need to know that it's vital. And then being aware of your surroundings. You know, and we, we preach this heavily when we talk about foot chases and, and foot patrol and you don't want to put yourself in a position of disadvantage. And all too often, we're in such a hurry to get into something to try to resolve it that we don't pay attention to the surroundings of what we're going into. Uh, chasing people down a dark alley around blind corners, bad, bad idea. Going in into an empty house and not looking uh, under beds or in, in behind doors or whatever. You, you just have to be aware of what you can see and what you can't see. And unfortunately, we kind of have to assume that everything we can't see hides a potential threat and then modify our behavior accordingly. Okay, well, Frank, if we want to touch on one last thing here on your article, um, you know, that term routine traffic stops that we hear all the time. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Of course, uh, no stop is uh, routine, but how can an officer prepare themselves um, as far as that fear that could take over that? You know, there's a bad guy in that vehicle, but it could be a little old lady in that vehicle as well. Um, how do you prepare yourself uh, mentally uh, to, to take on that? Well, you know, it's, it's a matter of mindset and practice. When, when I went through the academy so many years ago that they actually taught us that we had low risk traffic stops and high risk traffic stops. But even then, there was no such thing as a routine traffic stop because that just puts you in a complacent state of mind, that thought. Now we teach high-risk traffic stops and unknown-risk traffic stops where because you don't know until you get there. So you, you have the known, what we used to call a felony stop. There's going to be a problem. The guy that you're following, this car is wanted. He's got three open warrants. One of them's for murder, one of them, two of them for armed robbery, whatever. You're not pulling him over by yourself. You're going to have multiple other cars to, for the stop. Uh, there's going to be certain tactics used. Um, that, that's the high-risk traffic stop, and you know it. The unknown risk is when you got somebody's got a taillight out and you're going to pull them over and there's no indication that there's any problem, but you can't take that for granted. You can never assume it. So you have to have the awareness 
that the unexpected can happen and, and have a plan. And part of that plan is all of the proper tactics from calling out the stop or making the dispatch system aware of it before you start the stop to where you're making the stop to how you're positioning your vehicle, how you're making your approach, what you can see inside and outside of that suspect vehicle or that target vehicle that you've pulled over. Um, you know, if, if you work someplace where you have enough backup, where you have enough officers on the street, we don't even call for routine backup. You know, they use the word routine to say, hey, look, I don't need you coming lights and siren. But if you want to start this way, I'm not going to complain. Uh, what we don't want to do is uh, exercise any of the 10 deadly errors. And I encourage everybody to look up to 10 deadly errors. They've been the same for as long as I've been wearing a badge. Um, and one of them is Tombstone Courage, where you, you say, I don't need backup. I got this. I'm good. Well, you've, I've got a van with nine guys in it, uh, but I'm pulling them over for a light that's out. So I don't need backup. Well, if those nine guys are bad guys, you're going to need a lot of backup. Um, we need to avoid that outlook. We need to stay mentally alert to the fact that things can go sideways without warning and without any apparent reason. Uh, and then we don't want to be on the downside of that. We want to have the upper hand and we do that with tactics uh, as best we can. Great. And I, I want to talk about the, you know, wrap things up here. Um, a piece that Joe Vince um, wrote entitled uh, familiar haunts and <laughs> the, the uh, tagline is busting crooks or busting ghosts. This, these haunted police stations can't decide. And this is, it's a really fun piece he wrote here. He did a really great job with this um, about a couple different police stations that have had their run-ins with uh, the supernatural. And, you know, have, he has some firsthand accounts from uh, officers here and the staff in these uh, stations. And one he touched on is the George Stickney house in Woodstock, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And the look of this place, it's just an old looking you know, it looks like a haunted house. Aren't there some places you walk up to and go, yeah, no, I don't need to go in there. I'm yeah, right. I'm around going the other way. So and I, I think that that's a really cool thing about that. Either whether you believe in ghosts or don't believe in ghosts, some of these houses just look creepy. And, and having, you know, a lot of these smaller towns, a lot of rural agencies will convert, you know, old houses and um, in some cases in the police stations and you know, you kind of have to deal with uh, the, you know, the hand you've been been dealt. <laughs> and well, it, it sounds like they, you know, they've gotten used to working in them, um, but they do have a lot of lore around that station. Um, another one he covered was the Maxwell Street Station in Chicago, yep. which is, you know, a big city station, but they have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of stories that they tell about the supernatural and that, and that one was actually used in the opening scenes of the old show, uh, Hill Street Blues. And the last one he touched on was the, the Alapai. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but the Alapai, um, headquarters in Honolulu and this, the departments actually kind of got behind the idea of there being ghosts in the station, um, by filming YouTube videos of officers talking about you know, some of the run-ins. So I thought it was a really good article and especially for Halloween, um, kind of a cool thing to touch on. It really is. And it's really yeah. fun until you go into one of these places, it's haunted and something right. happens to you that you can't explain because, uh, you know, law enforcement, we, we police officers, we're creatures of habit. We like to be able to explain everything. There's evidence for or against everything. And it's not necessarily true with the supernatural. I, I, uh, 
had opportunity a few years back, I guess about 15 years ago now, to visit the Princess Anne police station over on the eastern shore in Maryland. And the police station is actually the old Princess Anne jail. Um, and by, just by their very nature, any jail, you have a good chance, especially 100 years ago, of, of people dying in the jail. And it's not because law enforcement's killing them. It's because they go in there severely drunk. Uh, and they fall and, and they hit their head on the steel bunk or the, you know, the, the stone wall or the steel bars and they crack their skull open, and they die or uh, they're, they're wounded in a fight and people don't treat their wounds properly or they, you know, they don't realize what it is. Or you get more than one guy in a holding cell and somebody kills somebody else. But by their nature, people die sometimes in prisons. At least they did 100 years ago. And, uh, you know, then the stories begin about the haunts. And, and there certainly were stories about the Princess Anne police station being the old jailhouse being haunted. Uh, the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Um, it's not the old one in, in Wheeling, West Virginia. Okay. They, they used to execute people there. They would hang them. And, and obviously those people are haunting the place, right? It's, it's very interesting. And no matter what it is, if, if it's a haunted house in your jurisdiction, when you get the call for service, you can't say... Well, you know, dispatch, there's too many ghosts there. I'm not going sent. It's, 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 you're going to have to get over it. You can't do that. You have to go get where you get sent. And then you have to deal with that as well. And sometimes it's fun to think about. And sometimes it's just creepy. Um, yeah, I, I went, uh, when I was a military policeman, we went on a call for strange lights. And it turned out to be Satan worshipers in some uh, old National Guard barracks that weren't used. Oh, wow. And that, that was definitely one of those creepy kind of calls that I didn't want to take in October of a given year. Yeah, that, that does sound like something. <laughs> it's why, well, and you never, we, there was a, I went, I was stationed in one place where they had a haunted elementary school and I, I didn't believe it was haunted. I thought my senior guy, guy was training me. I thought he was just messing with me, uh, but we were working a midnight shift and the way this elementary school was set on the property was you, you took the turn into the driveway and then the driveway curved down the hill so from the top of the driveway, from the street, you could see almost the entire elementary school. And, the, you know, the old story was that somebody had robbed something and they'd hidden in there and they searched the place. And nobody ever found the guy and he died in the boiler room or whatever it was. But at the time that he ran in, it was the middle of the night and whatever it was, it was, you know, the story was that the place was haunted by this guy's ghost and all the lights would come on sometimes and all the lights would go off. And I, yeah, okay, great. You're jerking my chain, dude. I'm not falling for it. And it's two in the morning and he goes, well, and we drive up the driveway and I kid you not, every light in the entire building came on hmm. and stayed on for about two minutes. And then all of them went off. Now, short of turning on the main breaker and off the main breakers, no way to do that. Um, and he refused to get out of his car to check doors and windows. He, he just drove up over the curb and around the outside and shined a spotlight on everything. And it all looked secure. So it had to have been good. And to this day, I don't know if he was jerking my chain somehow, if the place was really haunted, yeah. but it was creepy just the same. Well, this was a fun conversation <laughs> about uh, about Halloween stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Halloween, you know, stay safe, um, you know, make sure on duty you're safe. And even if you're bringing out the kids for trick-or-treating, you have plenty of flashlights and you're aware of your surroundings. So is there anything you wanted to add, Frank? Uh, one last thing, and years ago, I dressed up as a SWAT cop to go take my son trick-or-treating. Um, and as an actual police officer, I had a gun on. Pay attention to the costumes. Not everybody's, uh, you know, a lot of costumes do involve weapons, 
not all of them are toys. Not all of them are pretend. Yeah. And there are bad guys that paint real guns, neon colors to hide them. So oh. stay alert and stay alive, guys. Great. On that note, uh, you know, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode of Officer Roll Call Podcast. If you want to reach out and add anything to the conversation, uh, please be sure to leave us a note at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. Hey, anything to add, Frank? No, sir. Thank you very much, Paul. Hey, thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.